There is a big difference between hearing and listening. I was reading recently uh, an article about the capacity of human hearing. And did you know that there are frequencies that you, over time, cease to be able to hear as you get older? Like, we talk about people getting hard of hearing later in life, and I feel like for most of my life, I thought that was referring to volume, meaning like you have trouble hearing things at a softer volume, and so you always have to have things louder to be able to hear, but it was talking about the way that, you know, the human ear is, and that there's actually frequencies that you just cease to be able to hear. Like, I kind of want to give you an example, several examples, to show you what uh, I mean. I actually want to play for you an 8,000 hertz frequency. Go ahead and play it. If you can hear that, that means you're alive. It means you're breathing. No matter how old or young you are, you can go ahead and turn it off. No matter how, yeah, whoa, hold on, nah, too quick. Uh, no matter how old or young you are, you should be able to hear that frequency. That's always within the range. But then it goes on to talk about how uh, there's a 12,000 hertz frequency. Go ahead and play that. But apparently people 50 and up will struggle hearing this. So there may be some of you in the room and you're like, what tone, what? You playing something? I can't hear it. Then the next one is a 15,000 hertz tone. People who are 40 and older will struggle hearing this. I got to admit, I can barely hear that. Like I'm turning 38 next month and it like comes in and out where like I can hear it, you know, softer and louder as, as you know, I'm listening to it. And then finally, uh, the last one is a 17,400 hertz fre frequency. Go ahead and play it. Are you, are you seriously playing it? Supposedly, because I can't hear it, only if you're 18 or younger can you hear this. Like they're talking about how there are stores, I guess you can turn it off if you already haven't. I can't hear it. Uh, apparently there are stores who blast this, that frequency outside of their store so teenagers don't loiter because only teenage age and below is able to hear it, but older people can't. You know, I was actually doing a little more study and I found out that, you know, they were searching for what the frequency of a wife's voice is. And they found that like, as soon as men get married, they cease to be able to hear that frequency anymore. I don't know, it was strange. I uh, wasn't able to find it because I can't hear it. <laughs> now, it's important to distinguish the difference between hearing and listening. And that, that test kind of displays the difference because right now for all of us, hopefully, during that time when I was playing those different frequencies, we were all listening, right? We were actively trying to hear those, to perceive those. But for some of you, based entirely on something outside of your control, age, hearing damage, whatever, some of you were unable to hear some of those tones because you see, hearing is about capacity, while listening is about ability. Being able to hear is based on physical capacity, which can be damaged by too much loud noise or a, you know, a degradation that occurs over time because of your age. But listening is different because listening is a learned skill that we can actually develop and 
grow in over time. Marriage is a great crucible for listening, learning how to listen, because we get lots of opportunities to practice that skill in our most important relationships, whether that's marriage or whether that's friendship or any of our most important relationships. Now, I bring this up because today we are starting a new series called House of Prayer, And this kind of comes out of uh, Jesus quoting whenever he's in the temple turning over the tables and cleansing the, you know, the temple. He invokes a passage from Isaiah 56 where he says, you know, my father said that my house, referring to where the people of God would gather, my house was to be called a house of prayer for all nations. That when we gather in Jesus' name in this building or anywhere else, it should be focused on. On One of the most important things it focuses on is seeking after the God of the universe. And so over the next month, like Lucas mentioned before, we're going to be looking at different, different passages in the scripture that talk about prayer and different ways we can ga- engage in prayer and different ways we can cultivate our life in prayer. And so I want to invite you to fully engage in this over the next month as we go through this series. Uh, in fact, we actually, uh, Darren helped us develop kind of a, a guide for this series that, uh, that has questions and activities and discussion points and things like that he developed that can either be used in the context of a small group. So if you're in a small group, I encourage you, whatever maybe you're studying, to just push pause on that study and go through this prayer guide together. Have these discussions around prayer and follow us on Sunday morning, or it can be used on a personal level. Maybe you just use it in your own private uh, devotion time with God, or you use it with your family. Maybe your wife, you and your wife or you and your husband will uh, use it together. But we want, want to encourage you. Uh, you can either access that prayer guide uh, through our the Church Center app. If you've not d- downloaded the Church Center app and connected it to New Hope Church, I encourage you to do that. Or you can go to newhopechurch.cc slash prayer, and it should have the guide and different things on there. And another thing you may notice on the Church Center app as we go through this, and this was something that we really uh, wanted to focus on, especially during this month, is you may notice when you go onto the Church Center app or onto our website, there's a little button there that'll say, uh, it, it says prayer slash praise, because oftentimes there are tons of cool stories of different ways that God is answering prayer, the way that God has responded to people's prayers. And we want to know those stories. We want to be able to celebrate those stories. So over the course of this series and for the next foreseeable future, if you see God in your own life or in the lives of others answering prayers in amazing supernatural ways, uh, go on there and click on that button and share those stories because we want to be able to collect some of those stories to be able to share them at other times just to encourage everybody. Now, today, I want to look in the story, uh, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament that focuses on one of the most foundational ideas around prayer, which is listening to God. We often think prayer is mainly about me bringing my, like, laundry list of requests to God, and this is how sometimes often prayer can become almost a religious work for us. We're like, I, I'm coming into God's presence to muscle up, and I, I got my list of things I want to talk to him about, and I'm going to, you know, spiritually flex in, in his presence to try to get the things that I want. And we forget often that it is a relationship that is meant to go both ways, that we were built and designed to hear God's voice. And so I want to look at a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3 in which we look at the beginning of Samuel's story. He was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. But in this story, he's 12 years old. He's a boy, just on the cusp of manhood. And we see him begin to walk, uh, take his first steps into the journey. He's going to get a crash course on what it means to hear God's voice. So uh, 1 Samuel 3 starts in uh, verse 1. 
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down, and again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, in this story, the boy Samuel, who, again, scholars think was probably around the age of 12 years old or so in the Jewish world, was right on the cusp of manhood. He was just beginning to enter into his calling and vocation. Um, was oftentimes at that age, they began to look forward to what manhood looked like and how they were supposed to step into that and live into that. And he has this experience that he had never had before in his life. He hears God's voice. Now, I want you to notice what happens here because, and notice what was going on here because Samuel was just a, he's a teenager. I mean, barely a teenager in in our regard and our understanding of adolescence and things like that. And he wasn't some great spiritual giant, at least not yet. He was a preteen. I mean, Think about if you have a 12-year-old or roundabout there in your family, think about how they live their lives and how they respond to things and how they view the world. This was likely the way Samuel was. He was a kid in many ways, but it's also meant to be encouraging in many ways, learning about what it means to hear God's voice because what it shows us in this text is that we all have the capacity to hear God, but not all of us have the ability to listen to him. Because remember, there's a difference between capacity and ability. See, God created us to hear his voice, to be in relationship with him. It is literally built into our spiritual DNA to hear God's voice. You were designed to hear it like Samuel. But notice what happens in the story because he hears the voice because he has the capacity to hear it, But because he does not yet have the ability to listen, he thinks it's Eli, the priest. And so he walks in there and he's like, what? Like you can just imagine like a preteen walking in there being like, what? What do you want? It's like, and Eli's like, nothing. I I, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. Whatever. Goes back to bed. Hears it again. Samuel, what do you want? Gosh. It's like, "I, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. Fine. Goes back. I mean, it's just like he's in that age of just kind of in that place. Actually, his voice would probably be not that low. It'd be like, what do you want? <laughs> but see, the truth is many of us are right there right now because it said, if you remember in the text, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And I think that was because not many people knew how to listen to his voice. And that may be true for you as well here today. At times, you may have even experienced things in your life where you felt like you heard God's voice, but you then walk away thinking, was that really God? Like, 
was that really God or was that just me? Was that just my own thoughts in my head? And you walk away not feeling confidence in your ability to hear God's voice. And I think that's an important thing because you, for many of us, we didn't yet have the ability to listen to God's voice or listen for God's voice with confidence. And that's the key word. And the truth is you can have confidence when it comes to God speaking to you in prayer. Did you know that? We all have the capacity to hear God's voice, but all of us can also grow in our ability to hear and listen for God's voice with confidence every single day. And this is exactly what happens to Samuel, as we'll see continuing in verse 8. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the boy, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go down, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in this, in his place. And the Lord came and, this is a weird verse. And I didn't even notice this until I started saying, it says, the Lord came and stood there. That's kind of creepy. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So he's doing what Eli told him. And I love how the Lord responds. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. He's like, oh, now that you're listening, now I can tell you something, something that is just going to absolutely rock your world if you are willing to listen. See, Samuel always had the capacity to hear God's voice like we all do, but he was now finally paying attention. He was ready to listen. And so Eli, in the story, begins to instruct him about some of the basic things he needs to know about hearing God's voice. And I'm going to kind of break the text apart and show that even in the instructions that Eli gives, he is addressing some of the common barriers that we face all the time that keep us from really listening to God's voice, that keep us from uh, having confidence in hearing his voice on a regular basis. And we'll all kind of go through them one at a time. Uh, The first thing Eli tells him to do uh, when the third time comes and he realizes like, okay, I think God's speaking to this boy So the first thing he tells him to do is go back to bed and lay down because it was night. And you think about one of the prominent things about night is it's quiet. It was a time in many ways for silence and solitude because one of the greatest barriers to hearing God's voice are competing voices and noise, isn't it? We live in a society where silence is not golden, We have TVs that are always on. We have podcasts and music that are playing out of every single conceivable device imaginable. And then we wonder, why can't I hear God's voice? I always have music. I always have sound. I always have stuff going on in the background. And yet I wonder why I can't hear God's voice. And it's because I won't let him get a word in edgewise. That if we want to hear God's voice, we need to... Shut up. Eat a big old bowl of shutty stew. Just be quiet. 
See, I can honestly think of no better foundation to lay for our prayer lives than the regular practice of silence and solitude. Where I go off on my own, I leave my phone behind. I don't take it with me. We say, well, I may put it on vibrate and bring it with me, you know, just in case. But the truth is, when it vibrates or it lights up, we notice it's still a distraction, even if it's not a sound. But we separate ourselves from all the noises of the world. We still ourselves in God's presence, and we listen for that still, small voice that he so desperately wants us to hear in our time alone with him. So that's the first one. Another thing we see Eli giving Samuel instruction about is, we, uh, is about uh, that he will hear and how he should respond when he hears what he hears. Because he says, when you hear God's voice speak to you, you say, speak for your servant is listening. See, Eli was trying to eliminate all the misunderstandings about God that often keep us from hearing his voice. And that's the second common barrier that we experience is misunderstandings about God. Because I can tell you right now, there is nothing that will prevent you from hearing the voice of God more than the belief that God doesn't speak to us today. Or even what's well, probably even more, because some of you may be gracious enough to admit, oh, no, 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 I believe God still speaks today, but God wouldn't speak to someone like me. Have you ever thought that before? God would never speak to someone like me. I mean, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I don't have a bunch of Bible knowledge. I don't pray that much. God would never speak to me, right? See, we often think that it's only certain people like Eli a pastor or a priest, the super spiritual who get to hear from God, while all the ordinary people have to have it disseminated down to them from the precious few who can hear God's voice. But that is a blatantly false idea. If you look in the New Testament, all over the Bible, in fact, you see all sorts of ordinary, very flawed people who were used by God, who heard his voice on a regular basis, that they weren't perfect, they made mistakes, and yet God would still speak to them even in the midst of their failures and problems. See, more times than not, it's not that God isn't willing to speak to us, it's that we're not willing to listen. Because we think, well, God would never speak to someone like me anyway. He might speak to the pastor or he might speak to this person or that person, but he wouldn't speak to me. And so I have already turned off the radio. I've already turned off the device that allows me to hear God. So I don't, why do I need to be in silence for when I don't expect I would ever hear anything? I mean, can you imagine if we fully, completely believed in our heart of hearts that the God of the universe who created you, who created me, who created the heavens and the earth wants to speak to you every single day, how many of us would flock to silence and solitude every single day to get a word from God to sustain us for the day? How many of us would do that if we genuinely believed that? That is the type of relationship that God wants with us to give him just a chance to speak. Now this brings me to the final barrier that I see in this text about hearing God's voice, and that is personal sin in our lives. Because I said before that God spoke to and used flawed people, and that's true. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You don't have to be perfect to hear from God. But God does take sin seriously, and therefore we have to take sin seriously as well. And how we know that's true is even if you look at the chapter right before this story of 
Samuel hearing God's voice for the very first time. There's this strange back and forth that happens in chapter two, this kind of dichotomy that is presented about the difference between Samuel, even at 12 years old, and the sons of Eli, because Eli was a priest, and so you would think if anybody was gonna hear God's voice, it would be Eli. It would be Eli's sons because his sons were priests as well. So you would think his sons would hear God's voice before someone like Samuel would. And yet look at the dichotomy that is presented here in 1 Samuel 2. Eli's sons were scoundrels. I mean, that's just a good word. Like nobody gets called scoundrel nowadays. Like, man, I just... I don't want to be called a scoundrel, but I really want to call someone a scoundrel. It's just a cool word. He said, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord, and these men were priests. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Basically, people were bringing these animal sacrifices, and they were just taking the meat, taking the offerings for themselves. It says, meanwhile, and then you see the dichotomy here. They're showing the flip side. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So yeah, he was not a perfect person, but he was still pursuing the presence of God. So he, Eli, said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender, but if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? Which that question is already pointing at Jesus. Jesus would be the one who would intercede for them. But if and his sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. So that's, again, not about not being perfect or being perfect. It was about a desire of the heart that they just had no regard for God at all, no desire to pursue holiness, no desire to turn away from sin. Their father's even rebuking them about it, and they're like, whatever, Dad, whatever. It said, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And then here's the contrast again. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Now, if you read in the, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, right after Jesus, who is 12 years old, and he's questioning the religious leaders, and he goes home after his parents, like, lose him and find, you know, find him at the temple, that same phraseology is used for Jesus, showing this parallel of, of Jesus being the final prophet who would to become the Son of God. Now, we see here the difference between unrepentant sin and righteous living because Eli's sons were just unashamedly wicked and they just didn't even care, yet Samuel was the one who grew up in the presence of the Lord. See, learning how to hear God's voice isn't just about being perfect or never making mistakes. It's about the posture of your heart because while, while as Eli's sons didn't care about the things of God, we'd see that Samuel was dedicated to the Lord in his ways. And this shows us, and this is important to know, that hearing God only makes sense in the context of walking with God. Meaning this, the things I'm giving you and the barriers I'm talking about, this is not some sort of magical formula that you just beep, boop, boop, put it in and then magically you're going to hear God's voice. That we hear God's voice as we walk with God, as we follow Jesus, as we walk in relationship with him, we'll hear his voice. And he promised that to give us his spirit and that his spirit would speak to us. It all comes down to, not surprisingly, one word, relationship. So, 
practically speaking, how do I start to grow? Because some of you are like, hey, man, I'm on board. I want this. I want to hear God's voice. I want to grow in my ability to listen to God. So how do I do that? Practically speaking, how do I hear his voice daily in my prayer life? Well, there is a quote from uh, Dallas Willard. Uh, He wrote a, a fantastic book, and I recommend anybody read it, called Hearing God. And he spends a long time unpacking just the the theological nature of hearing God's voice and the way we discern and know whether we're hearing God's voice. But he kind of captures all of it together in one particular statement from his book where it says this, that God's impressions within and his word without are always corroborated by his providence around. And we should quietly wait until those three focus into one point. And I'll unpack what he's saying there. Essentially, he's saying there are three filters that we use to know when we're hearing God's voice because he talks about the impressions within, meaning the Holy Spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit and we can listen to the promptings and voice of the Holy Spirit, these uh, inner impressions within us, that still small voice. I can listen to that. But he's also, ultimately, and this is probably the most objective way, is to read the scriptures. He's given us his word without Meaning I can look at the scriptures and if I ever wonder what God's will is on adultery, I can read Jesus' teachings or the scriptures' teachings on adultery. If I ever want to know what God's will is ultimately on lying or pornography or things like that, I don't have to go into this huge seeking quest to discern the voice of the Spirit because I can look at the Word of God and the Word of God is very clear about it. Oftentimes, this is what Darren and I were talking about this. It's funny how there are some people who just agonize over like, oh, I just want to hear God's voice and I want to know what his will is on this particular thing. And people around them are like, why are you agonizing? The scriptures are extremely clear on that. Like the Bible gives blatant commands about that particular thing. So why are you agonizing to be led by the spirit in that when the spirit has already revealed through the scriptures what you're supposed to do? And you wonder why God won't speak to you? Because you've not yet obeyed what he has already spoken to you. So why would he say anything else? It's almost the example I've heard is it's like a GPS where the GPS is like the spirit, uh, you know, leading us saying, turn here, do this, go this direction. But if we just don't, if we just don't listen to the instructions and go the opposite way, what does it say? Turn around, turn around, turn around turn around. You're not going to hear anything else until you turn around. And that's where some of you are right now. You wonder, why isn't God speaking to me about this thing or that thing? It's because you have not yet turned around. God has already spoken clearly on particular things and you have not obeyed them. And he's not going to speak anything else to you until you obey what he's already said. So he gives us the inner impressions of the spirit. He gives us his word. And then finally, we pay attention to uh, kind of our outer circumstances. That if I'm pursuing God's will and trying to determine his leading on something particular, and I realize as I look at my circumstances, like, okay, if I choose this thing, it's going to bankrupt me. I'm going to go into massive debt, or it's going to harm my health, or it's going to cause strain on my marriage. You know what? That makes it pretty clear that that's probably not God's will, because I don't think God's going to willingly call me to enter into something that's going to ruin my marriage, or destroy my health, or harm my neighbors, or, or something like that. So I can look at my circumstances and say, that helps me determine, coupled together with the Word and these inner impressions of the Spirit, 
of how we determine what God's will is. Proverbs 20, 27 says this, that the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. Because I've heard this question before of like, how do I know whether these thoughts that go through my mind or these, you know, I may hear a phrase or a picture or something like that, like, how do I know whether those are just my thoughts or it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? And this verse, I feel like, has been very clarifying for me because the scriptures talk about how our spirit, like our inner being, our thoughts, our decisions, all of that is the lamp of the Lord, meaning God uses it to steer us in being prompted to be led So oftentimes in prayer, I'll tell people as they're praying, pay attention to repeated thoughts or phrases that seem to come from nowhere, which you may have been in situations where you feel like, and I've heard these stories before and have experienced it myself of like, go talk to that person. Go talk to that person. Go talk. And you think like, well, man, where did that come from? Or there might be an image or a picture of just a father wrapping their arms around a child and you just can't shake that image. Most likely what that is, is God using the lamp of the Lord, which is our spirit, to lead us. He's using our thoughts to kind of persistently present this idea, and so we need to pay attention to those things and say that repeated phrase or that repeated idea. I mean, you look at it according to scripture and different things to make sure it's not sinful, that it's not a temptation, but if it seems to be from God of like, man, I just can't shake this idea, I feel like that might be the Spirit of God speaking to me and I need to confirm it through the Word and my outer circumstances. And another way we confirm our outer circumstances is wise counsel, people around us. In fact, even how us getting into this season of prayer, I've I've seen all three of these things converge together because Jonathan and I, as we're seeking about this next season, it felt like God was calling us into a season of prayer of seeking after him. We spent time in silence together and I felt like God persisted this phrase in my mind to break up your unplowed ground. Of course, realizing it wasn't just some phrase, it wasn't just a word, it was actually scripture. So there's the second part. We looked it up, Hosea 10, 12, to break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord. And so I'm like, okay, like I feel like this might be from God because we want to approach these things with humility. And so I presented it to the team. And I said, this is what I feel like I'm discerning, that we discern together, but what do you think? And again and again and again, it confirmed with every single person where they're like, and I've even talked to people outside of our leadership team who felt that same desire to pursue God, to seek after him in ways that we never have. And I began to realize that my circumstances are lining up with that. Well, so all of those things come together into one point and we realize that was God's will. That was God speaking to us. And we had to use all of those metrics to kind of discern and pay attention to them. So here's the thing, and this is where I want to end for us today. The main point that I want to make is that God is not a God who wants to play hide and seek with you. Who, you know, like the tones I played before, you know, he's speaking, but you just don't have the capacity to hear. Like you reach a certain age, you just can't hear some of those frequencies. That's not the way God is. He's not speaking in a way that you are just fully unable to hear and so, well, too bad for you. No, we all have the capacity to hear God's voice. But do we have the ability to listen? Have we cultivated that? Because the only way that that can be cultivated is in relationship with Jesus. It's not about a formula, but it's about walking and following Jesus 
every single day and the spirit will speak to you and guide you and lead you. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna go, in, go into a time where we're actually gonna spend some time listening to God and actually practice this. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst, how you speak to us through your word, through the inner impressions of your spirit, through even our, even our circumstances and wise counsel, those you placed around us. God, you use all of these to speak to us. God, help us to lean into that, to learn how to listen. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do is we're just going to take just a few moments and I, to sit silently before God. Cut out the noise, cut out the distractions. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat for lunch. Don't worry about who's playing at noon or at 3.15 or what football team's gonna be on. Don't worry about that right now. Surrender yourself to the presence of God. And maybe this is the first time you've ever done something like this. Like maybe this morning, you're gonna make that commitment and say, you know what? I need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I need to trust Christ for the forgiveness of my sins to begin to follow him. That's not just about a, a formula. It's about following Jesus. And maybe I'm going to make that commitment for the first time today. But we're just going to sit in silence for a few moments. And I want you to pray the prayer that Samuel prayed. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I think you might be surprised what God does. Let's listen together.